3: This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
4: If you listen to this show regularly, and by the way, happy Thursday. I hope all of you are having fantastic starts to uh, your morning as we inch closer and closer to the weekend. John Morosi, I feel like we ought to pull the audio on this. Do you remember my question, Danny G, for him Uh, down the stretch of our interview yesterday? I said, is there anybody that you think would surprise a lot of people if they were actually traded a big name? And he specifically said Zach Greinke. He said he might end up being able to make uh, somebody might be able to make the move for him. And uh, credit to John Morosi, our Major League Baseball expert, because he didn't say specifically which team. But he said that this trade was very possible, and as a result, the Houston Astros have surged as now the favorite to win the World Series. Uh, They are making an aggressive move. The Yankees didn't do anything. The expectation was the Yankees were going to make a lot of moves potentially in the, the pitching realm, or at least attempt to, and they didn't make anything happen. Uh, So I want to bring in the crew here uh, because you guys, I know, Danny G, you're a huge Dodger fan. Does this make you a little bit nervous? The Dodgers with the best record in all of baseball right now, but the Astros basically saying, we we believe we can put together the best uh, pitching uh, core in all of baseball, and we've done it before. We know what happened the last time they were in the World Series against the Dodgers. Did they shake you a bit?
5: Los Angeles and a ton of Dodger fans were up in arms yesterday because fans were hoping that the dodgers would get a bullpen relief pitcher or a closer to share time with jansen because
4: jansen um, hasn't been the uh the, the perfect closer that he was the last several years just no okay. he
5: hasn't he's been up and down but the dodgers do have Urias coming out of the bullpen they do use Maeta coming out of the bullpen in the postseason they have The arms, they just need the right mindset because obviously it has not ended well the past two postseasons. I think Dodger fans were just hoping, look get rid of some of the farm prospects and get a couple of arms from a couple other teams so that we could beef up that bullpen, which has been the one spot for the Dodgers that has been a problem, obviously, especially in the World Series. The last couple of World Series have ended the same way with the same exact score. And so Dodger fans, including myself, have been left scratching our heads a little bit because, yeah, it's great having prospects but you hope your team is going to go all in and go for it. Yankee fans were hoping the same exact thing. So obviously Dodger fans and Yankee fans were both left wondering what could have been at the deadline yesterday, whereas the Astros went all in.
4: Not only the Astros, the city of Houston is intriguing now from a sports perspective, right? There are a lot of good storylines down there. One, what would just happened with the major league baseball trade deadline. Can the Astros go win the world series again? Two, the Rockets make the move to go get uh, Russell Westbrook, and we'll see how he and James Harden do paired together. That's a pretty intriguing story to follow. And three, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about the Houston Texans. Can they protect Deshaun Watson? Where is their ceiling in the wake of that uh, first round wild card playoff defeat at the hands of the uh, Indianapolis Colts? I think there are, uh, the, you know, I think LA. Is one of the most interesting cities in all of American sports, right? If you're just ranking uh, the cities in terms of storylines and uh, and interesting things to follow. And a big part of LA, obviously, is having Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron James uh, and, uh, and Anthony Davis all in the same place. But you got the Dodgers uncertainty, and then you got two NFL teams. Uh, so this does a lot of good storylines in LA, a lot of good storylines in Houston. A lot of good storylines now from a sports fan perspective in Houston. Lots of big names, lots of intriguing uh, potential outcomes. We'll see uh, what manifests itself there, but a big move by the Astros nonetheless. Now, your long national nightmare is over. Since Tom Brady hoisted the Lombardi Trophy and the Patriots took down the Rams, we have been sitting around waiting for football to return And boom, football is now back, baby. I know it's the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. And I know there are a lot of you out there that say, oh, preseason NFL football stinks. There's no interest in it. I'm not curious about it at all. And I understand that there are some of you who are spoil sports like that. I'm going to be honest with you. When toe meets leather and they kick off tonight, and we got the Denver Broncos going up against the Atlanta Falcons, you know, who's going to be sitting on his couch? with television on, waiting to see what's going to happen, even if Matt Ryan's not playing very much, and even if Joe Flacco's not playing very much, and even if the game's not very good. This guy, because even bad football, is better than no football. It's like pizza. Pizza may not be great, but it's still pizza. So I will be there. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I want to bring in the crew. How many of you will be watching the game tonight Starting with you, Danny G. Will you watch any of Broncos Falcons?
5: Well, here's a clue. I've been watching rerun games on the NFL network the past few weeks. There you
4: go. That's how much you are (laughs) in demand for football. I even
5: watched the top 100 all the way through.
4: Yeah, that's unbelievable. By the way, official new month here, August. Football is back, baby. Uh, Will you be watching, Dub?
1: I mean, that may be... The dumbest question you've ever asked me. I am literally so happy that football's back. I can't believe I've survived this long on tennis and golf. I am so ready.
4: Well, I mean, an embarrassing guy out there is the one who's listening to us right now. He's like, not only am I watching, I set my DVR to watch it on delay. Because it's football and I can't wait to watch. Uh, Eddie Garcia, will you watch? Not a second. I hate preseason football. Uh, the, such a hater. The only thing about it that's good is it just reminds us that the real football is getting here closer. But preseason football is a total waste of time. I agree that it's a total waste of time. And by the way, I think, is it today that the NFLPA and the NFL are meeting again and uh, there are discussions that the NFL owners might really be trying to push for an 18-game regular season and... Uh, as a result they would obviously shorten the uh the preseason but also be giving the players a lot more money but yeah, that is uh so so you see I watch because I think that uh that that what ends up happening it from a health perspective is so huge right i mean and and it's kind of like watching with your hands over your eyes, like you're peeking at times if it's your favorite team. Because every time your quarterback gets hit, you're like, oh man, I hope he's not out for the rest of the season. Every time your wide receiver comes up a little bit limp or your defensive end uh, gets his legs cut out from underneath him and stays down for just a hairbreadth of a second long, getting injured, uh, having your team's top players get injured is tough during the regular season. It's brutal during the preseason. And so it's almost hard to watch, and you can't wait for the starters to get out and get all the scrubs in. Uh, but I have to say, it is still pretty exhilarating to know that football is this close. Uh, will you watch, Roberto?
6: Totally agree with Eddie there. No, not even. I'm not going to watch.
2: So if
4: you're not going to watch, what are you going to be watching? I'll be watching the Dodgers. The Dodgers. All okay. right. So what will you be watching, Eddie? To be determined. So do you? Uh, do, so this, by the way, is a, a good time to hopefully you've gotten a lot of your responsibilities done if you're a guy out there and uh, your wife or your girlfriend's got stuff around the house or apartment or condo or whatever it is for you to get done because I know myself, like on the weekend, once football officially starts, and to me, football is officially, officially starting on August 24th, and the game that I'm already excited to watch is the U, Miami taking on Florida in Orlando. That's going to be a really good college football kickoff game uh, to celebrate, I think it's the 150th anniversary of college football. So uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be really, really entertaining to watch. But yes, in general, I understand the, uh, the reticence to, uh, to go all in on preseason football because you feel like you're wasting maybe a little bit of your, uh, of your goodwill that hopefully you have built up in all the months that have taken place, certainly since March Madness. Like, there's nothing that was must-see television in the world of sports. Tiger winning the Masters, maybe, but not that many hours of commitment, whereas Saturday, Sunday, once football officially gets rolling, you add in Thursday, you add in Monday. I mean, it's almost impossible. Uh, We have such a buffet of sports, it's almost impossible to not be diving all in. Uh, All right, so uh, appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Welcome back. Football is here. Rejoice, celebrate, uh, and and get ready for the uh, gridiron buffet of excess that is soon to be coming your way. Speaking of that, we have, I believe, uh, Frank Isola up next. Is that right? Uh, And then in hour three... We got a new guest who I'm pretty excited to debut with you guys. Um, He is David Chow, and if you follow him on Twitter, he's at Pro Football Injury Expert. What's his pro football doc, I think, is his Twitter handle. But he, in real time, he used to be the San Diego Chargers team doctor, and in real time... Based on looking at video, he will diagnose what he thinks is likely to be the injury situation of players. And he's phenomenal. He's incredibly talented at it. And for people out there who say, well, how in the world can you tell what the injury status is of a player by watching a video? He says that's one of the things you actually do when you go and start examining a player one of the first things you do is say okay can I see video of how the injury happened because it gives you a better indication of what might be wrong with a player than just asking them like hey what's bothering you oh my knee's hurting or or, uh, my shoulder's hurting like when you actually watch it on film you have a pretty good idea of what you might be needing to diagnose so he is going to be joining us weekly this year And I think this is going to be pretty awesome. We haven't officially decided what day he will be joining us. But if you are out there and you're interested in gambling on football or you're interested in gambling on uh, or, or fantasy football or anything else, injury status and health of players is so massive that I think he's going to give us information that you can't find anywhere else. He's a great follow at ProFootballDoc. We had him on once before, and you guys loved it. We had him on to talk about, and he can talk about all injuries, obviously, regardless of uh, football, but we're going to have him on specifically for football season. But we had him on to talk about Kevin Durant's injury. And the feedback, if you guys remember, was so phenomenal from from uh, all of you uh, with uh, the data that he gave us with the information that we gave us i was like man we got to get this guy on more regularly so david chow he is going to be on with us in our three of the show today gonna be the first hit that he does with us of what will be a regular weekly hit be breaking down the injury status of all the top athletes in the world of football nfl in, specific, in particular so I think you guys are really going to enjoy him. If you haven't heard him yet, he'll be on an hour three. But up next, we're going to talk with Frank Isola. All of that should be good. And by the way, anybody watch last night? Uh, We had Tulsi Gabbard on uh, the show, what, a couple of weeks ago? She was uh, one of the most uh, responsive guests we've ever had on the show uh, in terms of favorable feedback. And uh, man, she went after Kamala Harris last night uh, during the Democratic presidential debate. It wasn't a lot of great sports necessarily on television. That was an interesting sport, Uh, day two of the uh, Democratic presidential debate. So, we will talk with Frank Isola next, see what he thinks about uh, everything in the world of sports. I hope you guys are having a fantastic Thursday morning. Uh, I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Congrats to Houston Astros fans. Congrats to the city of Houston. It'll be an intriguing sports city for sure, with now Zach Greenke, and then you also throw in Russell Westbrook and the uncertainty that is surrounding the Houston Texans uh, as they uh, come into a season where they won a division and... They went to the playoffs, but once they got to the playoffs, they kind of got exposed. What's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and company? We will find out. A lot of things to follow in Houston, but the Astros now the favorite to win the World Series. And football is back. Rejoice. This is Outkick the Coverage. Up next, Frank Isola from Around the Horn, from The Athletic, and from Sirius XM. Thanks for hanging with us here on Fox Sports Radio.
3: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
4: we bring in now frank isola at the frank isola he writes for the athletic he talks on the radio for us and for sirius xm and you can watch him on television on around the horn uh, frank uh, I appreciate uh, you joining us um a lot of stories have happened since we talked last time, but I wanted to start with you here. I know your daughters play soccer, and I started off the show talking about uh, this yesterday. What did you make of all the debate and the continuing fallout of the pay for women versus men in the world of soccer? I know it's kind of a expertise of yours in the world now, soccer. Um, how, how did this story shake out? How was it covered? How should it have been covered?
6: I thought it was very interesting that the president of U.S. soccer, you know, he released – That statement clearly to get, uh, you know, a little public support behind it. Because if you remember, Clay, during the parade, he was on the float, and they were kind of taunting him a little bit. (laughs) Like the players were actually on the float, kind of confronting him in front of everybody, saying, what about equal pay? And he was like kind of keeping quiet because I think he figured, you know what, I'm not getting into, you know, a debate right now during the parade on a float. Because he's he's thinking to himself, no one's going to, even though I have the facts, it's not worth kind of pointing that out right now. But I did think that was pretty interesting that they have made a larger percentage of the money. I think, that's, uh, I, I think that part of it is pretty interesting. It's a part that hadn't really uh, been reported that much. What's also interesting about the women, is you know, the, the U.S. Soccer Federation pays their salaries. So even when they're playing for these club teams in the NWSL, they're getting paid by U.S. Soccer. And you know what's funny? When they got back from uh, France – the, you know They had the parade, and then that following Sunday, they had games, and the Federation told all of them to, to not play. And sure enough, none of them played in the games, yet the fans were showing up oh, that's to the tough. games hoping to see the players. It yeah. makes no sense. I don't understand why they did that.
4: Yeah, that's tough because if you're a women's soccer player, ultimately – the World Cup's only every four years. And so that's really when all the interest comes in. So if you really want to make a substantial sum of money, you need the the, the National Women's Soccer League to be successful. And you're right. I mean, that makes total sense that there would have been a lot of people out there who are saying, okay, let's go celebrate and, and support the NWSL. And then the players who they had seen in France were not there on the field to uh, to be celebrated. I can imagine parents showing up and thinking, man, this is a rough deal. Uh, we went to uh, we came to watch these stars, and they, they aren't there. It's a good point. Uh, we were just talking among the crew about the fact that the NFL is back. And if you want to count the NFL as being back with the Hall of Fame game, we got the Broncos going up against the Falcons uh, tonight. Will you watch?
6: Yeah, I'll definitely watch some of it. And I did see your tweet. I think over the weekend when you said this would this will be the last weekend without football between now and February eighth. And I, you know, you live in the South, so it's a little bit different. You know, up here in New York, where the NFL is huge, college football probably not so much. But it, you know, it it never ceases to amaze me. You know, this country's appetite for football especially the NFL in college it's become it it becomes bigger and bigger as much as people think the sport is kinda damaging itself and a lot of things that have happened off the field you know everyone talks about player safety people absolutely love the sport it's incredible that it's starting as early as it is but even you know it's funny Clay even the storylines are not really that interesting whether it's you know guys holding out guys have been holding out all the time in the NFL they just don't feel like practicing the first couple of weeks in the extremely hot weather, it it happens all the time. But even like the stories of guys holding out have become even bigger. I remember years ago when Lawrence Taylor held out at the the Giants, everyone knew he was eventually going to be back. And sure enough, I I think he showed up the first week of, uh, you know, right before the first game, you know, seven days before that. Sure enough, he was out there. But the storylines to me aren't that interesting, but people just want football so much that it becomes—it just seems like it becomes bigger and bigger every year. The demise of football, as people love to report, is uh, greatly exaggerated.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Now you are in New York, and I, I'm fascinated by this storyline. Baker Mayfield. Now he's got the mustache. Everything that he does it becomes a major national story. And uh, he's become a huge lightning rod. The Browns are an exciting, sexy team that you could never have said that about maybe ever in the history of their franchise before. And then on the other side of the coin, you're in New York, which is the media capital of the world, really. And Sam Darnold hasn't made news for anything. And the, the two different paths that these quarterbacks are on, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, that's kind of an ironic little setup, right? And does it surprise you how little news that Sam Darnold has made and which of the two sort of paths do you think makes the most sense? The brash, everybody pay attention to me, we're going to win uh, you know, our division, we're going to try to contend for a championship, Baker Mayfield, or Sam Darnold, who really hasn't said anything for throughout most of the time his career so far? Yeah, and I think Sam Darnold,
6: you know, it, it might not be the worst thing to kind of follow you know, the template that Eli Manning had. Eli Manning is incredibly boring, you know, barely says anything, and he ended up having – or he's he's still on this run, but he did, you know, win two Super Bowls. He hasn't been very good the last few years, but it kind of worked for Eli Manning because I think those guys have figured out, you know, you say one thing, it's become a big story. Baker Mayfield loves the spotlight, though. He loved it at Oklahoma, whether he was, you know, grabbing his crotch in a game, planting the flag – At Ohio State. He loves that part of it. What I think is interesting about the Browns, like Sam Darnold's not saying anything, so it's almost not like, yeah, he has to prove something, but the Browns do so much talking. And last year, I thought they became a really likable team, especially during hard knocks. But you have to admit, they are a little arrogant for a team that hasn't done anything. And then you throw kind of Odell Beckham into the mix. So it almost seems like Baker Mayfield feels like, well, I'm almost like competing with some of my teammates. For all this attention, he, he's an interesting guy. There's no question about it. He likes to say kind of provocative stuff. But there is going to come a point, I think more so for the Browns this year, because everyone is kind of riding them and believing that they could be a serious team. But you look at their history, what they've done in that division, the fact that Pittsburgh, yeah, I understand what happened to them, but it's still the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a pretty competent organization. I just think it's going to be interesting this year where the Browns were a lovable team last year. But now you add Odell Beckham, who loves to run his mouth. Baker Mayfield loves to run his mouth. Because the, the great thing about sports, everyone could talk all they want. Eventually, you got to play the games.
4: What about Odell Beckham Jr.? You just mentioned him leaving the Giants. What's the vibe in the city of New York over Odell being gone? Are people still rooting for him? Are Giants fans still upset? Or have they moved on?
6: I mean, the, the guy is a, a brilliant talent. But, like I always say, you know, he was remembered for making this incredible catch against the Dallas Cowboys on a Sunday night football game. But to me, it kind of summed up his career with the Giants. He made this remarkable catch. No one's taken that away from him, but they lost the game. And I think, to me, when I think about his time here, he was injured a bunch and he lost. The last two years with the Giants, he played 16 of 32 games, and they were 4-12 in those games you know he got paid and now that he's on Cleveland he can't stop talking about the Giants and when he talks about the Giants he makes it seem like you know the Giants are just some run of the mill organization that basically's been around for 10 years like he was helping the brand i get it they're not on national right right now they don't have a sunday night football game but the Giants have played 5 super bowls before odell beckham got here uh, they didn't they didn't play any when he was there they played one playoff game and he was disappointing he even admits that he was disappointing. So I, I just think it's interesting that he. no one has questioned that he's a great player, but I would also say this. He's not even responsible for the greatest catch in Giants history. That belongs to David Tyree in the Super Bowl when he caught the football against his head.
4: Yeah, it's still an incredible catch. Uh, would have kept the Patriots maybe from being nineteen uh, right. and zero, the greatest uh, team in the history of the NFL. We're talking to Frank Isola. Follow him on Twitter at the Frank Isola. You can watch him on uh, Round the Horn. You can read him at the Athletic. You can listen to him uh, at Sirius XM. Uh, now, you mentioned the, uh, the, the the kind of the drama surrounding Odell. Well, one of the storylines, certainly, of the Giants is what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. Uh, what is the early read you've heard about Daniel Jones, former Duke quarterback, drafted very high by the Giants potentially and probably to be the successor for Eli Manning? And how many more years do you think the Giants really believe Eli is their guy?
6: I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the front office, you know, taking a Jones as high as they did. The thing that's amazing about Eli Manning, and no one has questioned that Eli Manning's toughness, how great he's been, I can't believe that he's still their guy. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago when you know, when Ben McAdoo wanted to replace him, or to not replace him, but have someone else start in front of Eli Manning, I thought Eli was a little selfish. I get that he had this streak going, and, I, you know, that's great and all that. But in a losing season, why not – let other guys you know go out there and play and see what they have i think the giants are being a little misguided with eli manning no one's questioning that he hasn't had a great run i just think it was something that they should have thought about last year changing him so i think jones might get a chance sooner than later if the giants aren't winning does it how many more losing seasons are you going to go through i mean it's it's time to start looking Toward the future, and I think with Eli, especially in today's NFL, where you know the, the great thing about Eli is his ability to stand in the pocket, take a hit, not get hurt. But you know, you, you need a little bit of mobility, and I think that's starting to hurt him at this point. He's not aging the way Tom Brady's aging. I don't think there's any question about that. No one, you know, Eli had two unbelievable playoff runs, but you look at his record, especially in the, the regular season, the last few years, it hasn't been good enough. So I think you know how it works, Clay. Everyone loves the backup quarterback, especially when he's young, especially when he's a high pick. So I think you know the drums are going to start beating for the Giants to get Daniel Jones in there. Especially if they get off to like a you know a one and three start, a two and five start, then you're really going to start hearing it.
4: Uh, I mentioned that you write for the Athletic, and I know over the years you've written for a lot of newspapers, and uh, and you've seen sort of the evolution of the journalism industry from a writing perspective. Uh, the Athletic recently announced, I think uh, last week, that they had five hundred thousand subscribers, uh, or maybe it was Monday. I think it was maybe uh, five hundred thousand subscribers. What has your experience been like writing for The Athletic, and what do you think about the future of sports journalism in general, especially from a writing perspective?
6: Well, I, I think for them, and I, I mean th- that's great news, and I think you know their goal is to try to get over a million. And what they're also thinking is, you know, they're trying to do what say the New York Times does where you're looking for a more global audience. That's why I think you'll start to see more European soccer stuff covered, especially things like the Premier League where you know you have fans in the US that are big fans of those teams. So if you're you know, if you're a fan of Tottenham and you also follow, you know, the Tennessee Titans and you're also a fan of, I don't know, Oklahoma football, you could find all that in the athletic. So I think from that standpoint, I think it's pretty smart not to have the advertising. I, I do laugh at this, but probably, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. I think when I first started there, I kind of felt like too many people, especially a lot of people that came from newspaper, almost looked at it as like an early retirement job. Well, I don't have to be writing all the time. We had a meeting in Las Vegas um, a couple weeks ago. It was mostly the basketball guys, and the founders all asked us like, Basically, the st- you know people want more, and I kind of agree with that. Like when I work for a newspaper, you kind of used to write if you're covering a beat, you're writing every day. If you're writing a column, you're writing three, four times a week. I think I, I get it. Like sometimes you need some time to work on a story, but not every story has to be some big feature where you're going to take ten days to do it. I still think that strong commentary. I mean, you write commentary. I still think there's a big there's a big market for that. You know, whether or not you know you're writing about what you know LeBron James running on the court at an AAU game I, I still think there can be feature stories but I still think the public wants you know strong opinions not necessarily hot takes but strong opinions on stuff that's what people want to read and they want to read it you know somewhat quickly and I think that's what the athletic is starting to do
4: uh, we're talking to Frank Isola you mentioned the LeBron uh, controversy about running on the court and it got a lot of attention. I'm curious for you, because I know you have uh, daughters who played uh, a lot of soccer, I believe, at a high level and have continued to do it. I think about that light a lot as a, as a parent. You and I are both like a scintilla as famous as LeBron James, but also still probably more recognizable given our jobs at a lot of times sporting events than your average parent might be. How did you handle being a parent? When it came to going to your uh, your daughter's games with uh, those things in mind, because I think it's something that every parent has to realize and decide. And if you're out there listening to me right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The difference between you being the person who's playing the sport, which is, I think, what most people get used to as you grow up to suddenly you're there to observe your children. And it totally is a different feeling and dynamic than anything like playing. And I'll be honest, it was like the first time I showed up for one of my little kids' games. I'm like, man, how do you handle this? You know, like, even though it's a low-level sporting event, like, you put a lot of energy and effort into it. What did you find?
6: You know, uh, my son also played uh, at a high level. In fact, he was at a national... Tournament one-year are soccer tournament in Arizona, go to Arizona to play uh, soccer in uh, August. It's oh, quite yeah, I can imagine. It's, qu- yeah. it's quite it's quite lovely. And uh, Chris Carter was there because Chris Carter, the football player, his daughter was playing for a team from Florida, and she was a goalkeeper, I believe. And I remember watching part of the game, and he was you know he was calm. He was yelling a couple of things to his daughter. He wasn't ranting and raving on the sidelines. But you know, if you go to and as your kids get older, you'll see you know parents can get pretty intense i mean you have to watch yourself and you you know everyone's going to get emotional but i think like what lebron did uh, i'll give you the layup line people are oh, people are entertained by that all right if, if we could look past the layup line and the flexing on the sideline, i don't understand how anyone who's rational could say he shouldn't be running on the court yeah i don't think that like why can't there be boundaries for everyone i just don't think i just don't think it's appropriate i think i think he kind of looked Silly doing, and I think it was like a little too much. I I would never run on the field while while the game was was going on, much less when the game ended. I mean, one year they made it to the uh, national, so they won the Eastern Regional, and it was a, a big emotional moment. My son's team beat this very good team from Bethesda, Maryland, which turned out to have like about five pros on the team. We were excited. We're not running on the field. We're letting the kids have their moment. And I get it. It's LeBron. I get it that he's happy, and no one's questioning. That, you know, that, yeah, it's great that he's watching his kids play. And you'll see this, Clay. There's nothing better than watching your kids play sports. It's, it's an incredible experience. But there have to be some kind of boundaries, like running on the field or running on the court while the game's going. I can't believe that anyone said that that's okay. I don't, I don't understand that.
4: Yeah, it is, that is fascinating to me. Um, the question I think also is LeBron's oldest son. I think is going to be 15 in October. And so even though LeBron is the greatest basketball player in the world, and I would imagine if you're the son and you're named after him, it's a pretty cool dad to have. I would also think that almost every teenager thinks their dad and mom at some point are lame, right? And that's just natural generational type behavior. And I would think that's even more the case if your dad's running on the court during the game. Like at some point uh, when you're 15 or 16 years old, you're like, Dad, can you just like give me a little bit of space?
6: Yeah, and, and I also think, too, I think he's so used to performing, and he likes to perform, and he wants to be an actor. Even this thing that he does with, like, Taco Tuesday, when I watch it, I start cringing. And I, can't, yeah. I can't believe, like, how corny it is, and it's, like, a little bizarre. But he's just, like, he, he, no one we understand. He loves his kid. He loves being at his games. He's supporting him. It's great. That's what fathers should do. You don't get extra credit for doing what you should do. But you you can't sit there and tell me that he also doesn't love the attention. He's not stupid. He knows that when he's at a game acting like that, it's going to go viral, and which is exactly what he wants. No one is knocking him for being at his kid's game and being happy and showing uh, showing passion for it. But there, there's once again there have to be some type of boundaries and I think I don't think asking people not to run on the field and run on the court I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to ask of anybody
4: yeah like I was thinking about I coach little league baseball right my seven and eight year old and I was trying to put the LeBron and the running on the court I think is the thing that you would point to and I was like you know a kid hit a home run you know let's say in our in our league if his dad was so excited that he leapt the onto the field and like ran onto the field to start running alongside with his kid I think some people would kind of laugh about it, but it would also seem weird, right? I, yeah. I think if you if you think about it in the context of going to your own kid's little league game, uh, and whether it's basketball or whether it's uh, you know football or whatever it is, somebody scores a touchdown, and then uh, as he's running down the field, the dad like runs out as well. I mean, that would be really, I think weird behavior not to say that you'd be like oh my god i can't believe this happened like this is totally unacceptable but you'd be like this is strange behavior and if you would think that for someone you didn't know that seems like it's a fair standard to apply for lebron james too uh,
6: and and I, and I also think like to your story like if a parent turned to you and said yeah but at least he loves his son and he's here at the game you would say all right i'm not questioning that but yeah. he still shouldn't be on the field running with his son after he hit a home run that's the part i, just get, I I, I give LeBron credit because I think he probably gets overly criticized sometimes, but I think there's also this like community of people that defend like everything that he does yeah. and like never say, well, he shouldn't do that. Like you probably shouldn't show up for work, walking out of your car, drinking wine. Like it's probably not the right thing to do. Like it's okay to say that. It doesn't yeah. mean that you hate LeBron and everything that he's done has been terrible, but like you are, I think that's how the media has changed too. Clay. It's like either all, all or nothing now. Like you're allowed to criticize the guy. It's, you know, some of the things that he does, you know, are a bad look. I think running on the court during his son's game is one of them. Showing up for the arena for work, even though you're not playing in the game, I understand that drinking wine, I don't think that's a great thing either. You know, you want to kill me for saying that? That's that's, how I, that's what I believe.
4: Outstanding stuff as always. Frank Isola, watch him on Around the Horn, read him at The Athletic, listen to him on SiriusXM. We'll talk to him again soon. Be sure to
3: catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
7: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: A couple of big stories that we are tracking out there. The Major League Baseball trade deadline has officially uh, come and gone, and the Houston Astros made the biggest move of all. This expectation was that the Yankees may need to add some pitching help. Well, the Astros did it instead. This is now the Astros uh, starting rotation. As we roll through, Uh, you got Justin Verlander, who obviously is a first ballot Hall of Famer, has been extraordinary. You've got Zach Renke, who is uh, 35 years old this year with an ERA of 2.9, pretty solid. You got Garrett Cole, who is uh, sitting at 12 and 5, with an ERA under 3 as well. That's three different pitchers with an ERA under 3. Then you got Wade Miley, who has an ERA of just over 3. And then the expectation is probably that it's going to be Brad Peacock uh, when uh, he comes back from uh, the injured list. Uh, I believe he'll be back. But that's a pretty incredible starting five right now for the Houston Astros that catapults them to the favorites, according to the odds makers to win uh, another World Series. Big move, again, for a 35-year-old Arizona Diamondbacks former pitcher who uh, now has become a Houston Astro. And that is going to likely make them uh, tough to beat when it comes to the postseason, assuming everybody stays healthy. So that's where we are with the Major League Baseball trade deadline. If you listen to this show, props to John Morosi who said that Grinke might well be on the trading block and that he would be a guy. I believe we have a cut of him saying that on the show yesterday. I asked him, hey, is there a guy out there that you think might make a, might be moved that would shock a lot of baseball fans? And he said this else is out there that could make people by four o'clock eastern look down at their phones or look at television as the news breaks and their jaws kind of drop
8: is that great he could move clay that, that that's one that's probably a surprise to a lot of fans uh he has been mentioned a little bit though big contract hard to move him. but I would say teams that have a thin farm system but but um, an interest in taking on that salary like the angels the Astros and the Phillies watch them very carefully wow he wow. Even
4: said the Astros That's pretty good. That's pretty good for John Morosi to uh, to have nailed that. You know, about ten hours before the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Because when this story broke, you know, everybody's phone immediately blew up uh, from a perspective of baseball fans. And yesterday, we had John Morosi on. I think in hour three uh, of the show. And uh, that, was, uh, that was a hell of a prediction. Braves made, by the way, uh, moves as well that could, uh, that could help them. But the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, a lot of teams that were anticipated to, uh, to, to be making moves stayed pat. So that is the, uh, the latest on the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Roughly, uh, what, 47, 48 games on average, remaining 50 games for some teams remaining in the season. And now everybody has to roll with what they've already got uh, as well. The Hall of Fame game is tonight. Uh, NFL returns, the Denver Broncos. Have they officially said whether Joe Flacco is going to play tonight? Will this be his debut for the Broncos? Anybody know on the show? I haven't heard whether he will take the field at all uh, because sometimes in this Hall of Fame game, because it leads to teams playing five preseason games, they don't even trot out the uh, the starters at all. Uh, Drew Locke obviously is on the Denver Broncos, and that is a storyline that I think is very intriguing to follow uh, is uh, where whether Drew Locke will be looking like the quarterback of the future for the Denver Broncos down the stretch. He'll probably get some snaps, probably get an early read on him, second-round pick heir apparent to Joe Flacco, but Flacco believes he still has a lot of time left uh, in his career. And then obviously on the other side, Matt Ryan, who uh, the, the, the Falcons had a pretty disappointing Uh, Performance we'll see uh, this past season whether with better health uh, in the secondary in particular, but on defense specifically, they can put themselves into a position to be contenders again in the NFC South as well as contenders to advance in the playoffs. uh, After a couple of years prior to last season, where uh, they were uh, they were very good. Remember, they almost beat the Philadelphia Eagles before the Eagles went and won uh, their championship if uh, Matt Ryan gets the ball just a little bit lower to Julio Jones in the back right corner of the end zone in Lincoln uh, Field there in Philadelphia, then we may have never seen the rise of Nick Foles at all because the Eagles would have lost that first game potentially in the playoffs, that divisional round game that the Atlanta Falcons could have won Uh, And we're not able to do just a couple of years ago. So anybody know on Flacco? Has there been official word about his uh, performance or non-performance?
5: Two days ago, it was reported that both Ryan and Flacco will sit out.
4: Okay, so both of the starters out. I mean, that's not uncommon when you look at the preseason when teams are playing five games. And I think, honestly, that's one of the reasons why the NFLPA uh, and the NFL have to get this thing resolved, because I think what you're going to start to see more and more is teams just sitting their starters. Uh, And particularly the quarterback position, when there's real risk at play of an injury every time you get hit, why put your quarterback out there uh, for some glorified scrimmage action when you're doing all the training camp work already? And again, what I always say is it's fascinating to me that college football, which has kids coming from high school, right? You can literally be coming from the last game you played being in high school football in front of uh, a small, relatively speaking, crowd. And the next game you play, you start in college football in a game that really matters. For instance, Miami and Florida are playing on August 24th. That is a massive old-school rivalry game in the Sunshine State. There will be a lot of players on both sides who will be playing their first-ever college football game after having played their last game in high school. If college football coaches with limited practice hours are able to bring high school kids up to college and put them into games, the very first time they make a tackle in front of anybody in a stadium is a game against a high-profile, high-caliber opponent, like we're talking about with Florida and Miami, If that is possible without a single preseason game for a kid going from high school to college, how is it that NFL teams, which are often stocked with veterans and have no limitation on the amount of hours that they can practice or spend at the facility, couldn't be ready to go with week one of the season without a ton of preseason football? Nobody's ever been able to make that argument to me in a very coherent fashion again we can take high school kids and have them ready to play huge games in front of millions of people on television sold out stadiums in college football but we can't get guys who are professionals that have spent way more time with their playbooks and with their actual practices and the mini camps and everything else we can't get those guys ready to go for week one So that's always been my issue, and I'm a season ticket holder for NFL uh, games. So I definitely look at the amount of money that I spend. I got to buy two different preseason games and pay full freight in the same way that I do for the eight regular season games. It's never made sense to me. Never made sense to me at all. I think if the NFL went to 18 games, they could just totally eliminate the preseason completely. And go straight in with week one being uh, the deciding factor. And look, people out there say, well, what about the younger guys who are trying to make a spot on the roster? Don't they deserve to play? Uh, most NFL teams don't have that much uncertainty of their roster with all of the mini camps and all the training camp practices that they get. They don't get that much more information based on these preseason games. So the preseason will officially begin uh, tonight. That will be pretty exciting uh, to follow. Okay. Usually, we do the anonymous mailbag. Let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. Let Dub field these on the return of the NFL, Major League Baseball trade deadline. I will solve any problems that exist in the OutKick universe right now. 877-996-6369. All you have to do when you call Dub is give him your state, and then I will solve all of the problems that surround you, uh, that surround the, the OutKick universe. is that phone number. Get hooked up now. Load up the phone lines. We'll be ready to go. I'll answer some of those questions. Also, I want to hit LeBron here while Dub is fielding all those calls and getting ready for the anonymous mailbag. Um, We talked about Taco Tuesday yesterday. I think LeBron got a complete pass on that. I bet I'm the only person who pointed out the hypocrisy of LeBron being able to do a Mexican accent and how if an Asian, Hispanic, or white person Uh, did a black accent while celebrating a stereotypically uh, black food whatever you want to call that like uh, tacos are from mexico nobody other than me even raised that lebron gets a pass because he's a social justice warrior and uh when you're a social justice warrior you're able to be a hypocrite as long as you're on the quote unquote right side but i'm curious what you guys think Um, Roberto I know you have a daughter she's so young she's not playing sports yet no not yet this turned into a big flashpoint because Jason Whitlock talked about it on his show and frankly because there's not a ton of actual sports news LeBron at his AAU game running on the court while the game was still going on that that's probably the only thing that I would point to and look there's so many people out there that want to praise LeBron when he does things that are just basically good dad things like, oh, he's going to watch his kid play sports. Yeah,
5: big wow, yeah.
4: Yeah, like, okay. Like, you're kind of an ass if you're a dad and you don't go watch your kid play sports. I, we live in this era where we praise people oftentimes if they're celebrities for doing things that are just basically human, decent things to do, right? Oh, LeBron goes to watch his kids play uh, their their Little League games, their AAU games or whatever. okay. So you give him credit for that? Like, how many dads, if you're a dad out there and you're listening to me right now and you're not going to watch, I don't mean every single event, right? Because people have jobs, you have responsibilities. But if you're not going to the majority of your kids' sporting events, then you're being a jerk, in my opinion. You're not being very supportive of your children. So I'm not big on giving people credit for things that you should be doing who are like, "Oh, I pay my mortgage every month." Okay? That's what when you took the loan out on your house to pay your mortgage every month. I've got a job and I work hard. Okay? That's literally what you should be doing. I provide for my family. Okay? That's the job of a dad and a mom oftentimes. We spend a lot of time especially with celebrities giving them credit for things that aren't actually that impressive and in fact should be the standard so my kid comes home and he says hey i got all a's and b's on my report card good that's what you should be doing i don't ever want to see a c that's my standard for how my kid should do on his report card doesn't mean i don't say hey nice job but i'm not going to throw a parade because my kid doesn't get a c i want him to be above average in his academic performance I want to be above average in my performance as a dad. And the bare minimum average to me is, yeah, I showed up and I watched my kid. But the thing that is funny, and Frank Isola brought this up in hour one, it definitely is, is, is worth discussing. It's okay to criticize LeBron for running on the court or even to criticize him for doing the layup line. That's kind of weird, right? You're going to do the layup line for your 14-year-old's team? who are like, well, those kids love LeBron James interacting with them. Well, he can interact with them without it being during a game. Like, he can go play basketball with that entire team without there being an audience of people there watching him. And I don't know what LeBron's son thinks, but he's turning 15 in October. Most teenagers, it doesn't matter how badass your dad is, they get embarrassed by dad. Barack Obama talked about that. The president of the freaking United States. You would think that Sasha and Malia would have been like, This is everything my dad does is amazing. He's the president of the United States. You know what they thought? My dad's embarrassing. You know why they thought that? Because Obama's probably a pretty good dad. Because he is just a dad to them. Doesn't matter how successful he is, doesn't matter that he's a leader of the free world, he's just dad. He's dorky, he probably makes dad jokes, they think he's awkward at times, they don't really want him to meet their boyfriends. I bet 15-year-old LeBron James Jr., Bronny they call him, I bet he thinks his dad's kind of dorky. I bet he watches those Taco Tuesday videos and he thinks his dad is corny. That's normal to be a teenager. So dad being in the layup line doing super dunks, a little bit weird. Okay, still a little bit weird. Saw Doug Gottlieb talk about that. Yeah, a little bit weird. But running on the court while the game is still going on, that's just super weird. I mean, I coach Little League Baseball. If if we have a kid hit a home run, and it happens every now and then, kid hits a home run in the league, gets to jog the bases. If one of the parents ran on the field to congratulate their kid while he was jogging around the bases, that would be weird. Not criminal behavior. Not like insanely uh, insane, insanely unacceptable, but a little bit weird. And I say that as somebody who coaches Little League Baseball. Right? I don't think there's anybody out there who would, who would see that and think, that would be weird. If your son makes a great play in a basketball game and you run out on the court while the basketball game is still going on at any arena... Court in America, that's weird too. Again, not criminal behavior, not totally unacceptable, but weird. I think your eyebrows would go up if somebody made a great play in a basketball game that you were watching and then a parent ran on the court while the game was still going on to celebrate that play. I think you would think, man, you're a grown ass man. What are you doing running on the court? I think if uh, this happened in hockey, certainly it be ridiculous. If it happened in football, it'd be ridiculous. I mean, the Hank Aaron home run is marred, most people think, because random strangers ran on the field to jog alongside of Hank Aaron. So, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, when an athletic event is going on and you are not playing... You should stay on the sidelines. In fact, that's the rule for pretty much every sport everywhere. And LeBron James can be exuberant. He can be excited. But do you guys not agree with me that it would be strange? Danny G, you coached. You don't have any kids yet, but you coached a little league. Wouldn't you think it was weird if one of the parents, one of your kids when you were coaching, had run on the field while the game was going on to celebrate a
5: play? Yeah, I would think it was weird. But if it was Cody Bellinger and his son, I, I I still
4: think it would be super weird. I don't care. But I think it's
5: being overanalyzed just a little bit because when I saw the highlight of this, I just kind of thought it was cool. That's all I thought. And now I've been hearing everybody just dig into it. And look, I get it. It's the old Chris Rock thing where when you do what you're supposed to be doing, what he says, famous line, what do you want? A cookie? Yeah, you're supposed to pay your bills. Okay, I get it, but there are so many athletes out there who we know are deadbeat parents. I, but I
4: don't even think that that's necessarily true from a perspective to defend athletes.
5: Really, you don't. You haven't heard the stories no, about I mean, there's athletes cer- who have six are, kids you know, by five look, different women.
4: There are certainly athletes that are not very good parents, but I don't think as I think that athletes, by and large, statistically would be more likely to be good parents than the nation as a whole would be. I know we focus on the ones that aren't because it it's a storyline and we tend to focus on negativity more than we do positivity. But for instance, defending athletes, people say, oh, you know, like NFL players, you know, beat, uh, have domestic violence incidents at way too frequent of rates, right? I mean, that's a common discussion point, common complaint. Uh, but NF, uh, NFL athletes, have way less domestic violence rates than soldiers and police officers do, right? Partly, that's a function of wealth because the more money you have, the more flexibility you typically have with your schedule, the more ability you have to go to games. So I think the majority of athletes uh, who have children in this country, the vast, vast majority are showing up at their games Um, And I just think if you run on, look, I coach Little League Baseball in a community where there are tons of famous people who are in the entertainment industry whose kids are in our league, right? Like I live in an area of Nashville where there are tons of people who are singers, songwriters, actors, actresses. We have a huge population, much like people who might live in LA or New York or whatever. And a lot of those parents will come to the games, right? Right. Like, for instance, uh, my kid regularly plays against Luke Bryan's kid. Um, and uh, and if we were playing Little League and Luke Bryan's kid hit a home run, Luke Bryan is s- insanely famous, right? If Luke Bryan then ran on the field to run around the bases with his son, I would think it was super weird. Not that it's a bad thing. Not that he had done anything wrong. Not that it's some sort of criminal behavior, but I think almost every parent who was there would be like, this is super weird, and Luke Bryan is a huge celebrity, right? I am a low-level celebrity, very low-level celebrity. But in the gym, uh, when my kid's playing uh, low-level basketball, there's a huge percentage of people that would know who I am. When my kid makes an awesome move in basketball and does something great, If I ran on the court to celebrate it with him while the game was still going on, everybody in that gym, I think, justifiably would be like, what the hell are you doing, dude? The game is still going on. So I don't believe that the the person this is this is a, I think. A, but an did interesting he run
5: game. on the court? I yes. mean, he jumped up and he flexed. He, didn't, he lost like, his shoe. He, didn't, he ran on the court, <laughs> but he didn't run and like hug his kid. I mean, he ran la- on I the give court. Give you the layup line. The, giving, the layup giving, line. I kind of was like, that's a little strange. The layup line is weird. Do I not in the layup? Uh, line. Hey, I'll but, admit that was a little strange to me. But still, I didn't even overanalyze that. But when he got up and flexed because his kid dunked really the only reaction I had was dang his kid's gonna be a beast that's the only thing I
4: thought again if you react at a sporting event off of the field it's funny to me because the same people who are defending LeBron the minute that anybody touches the court or the field in any kind of college or pro sport you're like that person needs to be tackled and arrested right um it's not your place to be on the field or the the court it just isn't And so I don't think the standard should be different for LeBron because he happens to be great playing basketball, just like I don't think the standard should be different. I'm just using Luke Bryan as an example. We talked about this in my wins and losses podcast with Kirk Herbstreet. Like Kirk Herbstreet is the most, he's the face of college football. His kids play high school football and they were pretty good and they were contending for state championships all year. Imagine the reaction if Kirk Herbstreit, because his kids make a great play, suddenly runs on the football field while the game is going on to celebrate with his kids. I think everybody would be like, dude, what in the world are you doing? They wouldn't be like, oh, he's Kirk Herbstreit. He's the face of college football. He should be able to run on any football field and celebrate anytime he wants to. No. Maybe we need to open up phone lines about this, 877-996-6369. Uh, what do you think, Roberto? You got a kid. I mean, she's young. She hasn't started playing sports yet. But didn't this seem a little bit weird to you or no?
6: Yeah, when he got in the layup line, it's, that's too much. Uh,
5: the part where he was, like, flexing on, it's The son. only thing The yeah, only thing that I would though, say yeah.
4: is 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 the, the one that shouldn't happen, period, is he shouldn't go on the court exactly, while the game yeah. is going on. The layup line is a little bit weird. Um, there's not anything wrong with it necessarily I just think if I'm a fifteen year old like his son is about to be he'd probably rather just be out there with his teammates than have his dad doing dunks to... and then
6: you don't want to take the the tension away from your kid also
4: yeah le- yeah, well, evident- yeah yeah LeBron does yeah exactly uh what about you uh Eddie Garcia what, what did you think about this
5: yeah I, I think it, I thought it was all a little weird I, I, I mean for a guy and i i it's hard to, you know, criticize someone who's enthusiastic about something his son does,
4: but at the same time for a guy who's played in NBA finals and has been at the heights of sports to react like that to uh, uh, even a great dunk by your kid—it's just a little over the top. I don't even me. have any problem with the reaction if he's on the sideline in the crowd. Right, that, like well, that's what we're talking else. about. We're talking about the, him running on the floor, yeah, and his running shoe the shoe flopping off and all that yeah, stuff. It's like you're, thir- you're. First of all, you're 35 years old or whatever he's about to be 35 years old. Like you know, you're, you're not 18, um, and I just, I mean, I, I think it's crazy. Like running on, I, I again, I just put it in the context of coaching or thinking about Little League like in the way that I'm involved now. No matter who the parent is, no matter how famous they are, if somebody runs on the court or the field to celebrate something that their team did during the game, I think you'd be like, this is crazy. This is
3: ludicrous. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: We're joined now by David Chow. He's at Pro Football Doc. He's going to be joining us weekly during football season. I'm excited about that. You guys were very fired up when we had him on last time. So, uh, Dr. Chow, appreciate you getting up early with us, starting the morning off. Uh, How excited are you for the return of football starting tonight?
8: Uh, Way more excited than my wife is.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So for people who don't, that's a great answer. A lot of men uh, out there definitely can, uh, can empathize with that. Uh, so all right, um, I'm curious for people who are out there who do not know you, explain what you do and why they should follow you on Twitter uh, as you watch these all these NFL games taking place.
8: Well, I mean, first of all, I'm thrilled to be on with you this season. And look, if, uh, Clay Travis wants me on, you should follow me. I think that's the very simple reason, <laughs> but, but, but beyond that, I mean, I, I call what I do, the medical Mike Pereira. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, essentially I give injury information. Um, I'm a former NFL team physician. So I give insider knowledge, not insider information, but uh, about what an injury is. And, uh, you know obviously teams are purposefully a little bit secretive and uh so i can interpret some of that but even in game i studied video for 17 years when i was a head nfl team position with the san diego chargers And every Monday morning, everyone else would be looking at film. So after seeing a player on Sunday on the film, on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room, after an MRI on Monday and, uh, you know, an exam, I'd go up and look at film with the head athletic trainer, and the video guys would show us all the replays. And we just studied film just to know more, and now that's quite useful to uh, reverse engineer injuries. And now it's quite useful to see what an injury is, you know, before there are even some announcements.
4: Yeah, so the Mike Pereira analogy is a great one because Mike Pereira explains the rules better than I think anyone does. You can see an injury happen, uh, watch the video of it, and oftentimes be able to tell what's likely to have occurred based on your experience. Uh, and and it's actually – you're not saying you're 100% accurate being able to diagnose, but I've followed you for a while now. You have a really, really high level of accuracy because – uh typically i mean like you said even when you're treating a player you'd go back and watch because you can sometimes diagnose what happened to them based on the angle they get hit where they get hit everything else you can sometimes figure out what's gone wrong
8: oh absolutely and and you know I'd be careful. I'm careful not to use the word diagnose because yeah. medically, diagnose implies that I'm examining, look at M- MRIs and whatever. I call it injury impressions. And uh, why can't it be accurate? First of all, when I was an NFL team physician, I'd run onto the field and I'd tell, tell my assistants, don't look at me, look at the jumbotron, look at the replay. And then late in my career, there was replay on the sideline, and, and we'd go look at that, less for concussions than for injuries uh, sometimes. And why does it make sense? I mean, look, I make no secret about it i 'm sitting at home watching the game i 'm not trying to fool anyone thinking that i 've looked at an MRI or something like or an x ray or something like that, but if you go to the doctor because you hurt yourself playing you know adult indoor soccer or something, what does the doctor say to you? What happened to your knee? Well, I, you know uh, I was running I planted I felt the pop or I got hit on the outside well that 's the video yeah so that 's the history of the injury that 's why it can be helpful so it 's not a, a carny trick it 's not magic it 's using medical information. And then uh, looking at, and, and quite honestly, the other thing that I say I do, do, Clay, is you read between the lines in terms of what the coach is saying, what the team is saying, et cetera. For example, Matt Nagy this year said, uh, Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Biskey would play on Thanksgiving, et cetera, in the national media. And I wrote an article saying that he wouldn't because you looked at the video and it was his throwing shoulder and the way that it was externally rotated, it was a capsular stretch. And there's no way that you're going to play with that. And he missed a a, a couple of weeks. It's never 100% accurate, but if you're getting audited by the irs do you want a good accountant or hopefully a good accountant that used to be an irs agent and i'm kind of the former irs agent
4: that's a good analogy as well we're talking to david chow follow him on twitter at pro football doc so let's dive into some of these injury situations andrew luck the colts are being very careful with him you've heard some of the comments. How nervous should fantasy football, uh, uh, draftees be? Maybe also, uh, gamblers who are thinking about the Colts as futures tickets and Colts fans in general about the way and the reports that you've seen so far about Andrew Luck?
8: Well, Dialing back a year, you know, uh, when there was a lot of concern about his shoulder, uh, at this point last year, there was a ton of concern still on Andrew Luck's shoulder. And I said at the time I was less concerned about Andrew Luck's season-long injury health than Deshaun Watson's, yeah. and I was less concerned about Deshaun Watson than Carson Wentz, and unfortunately, it played out that way with Carson, you know, having a rough year. Deshaun Watson having a nice second half, a slower first half, and obviously Andrew Luck maybe a slow game or two, but he really did well last year. This year, I actually have a lot of confidence that Andrew Luck will be fine. Look, I hear out there. Look, Adam Schefter is the best. He reported that uh, teams were worried, including Andrew Luck and Frank Frank Reich, about the Kevin. Durant situation, where the quote calf somehow turned into an Achilles, this is not the same deal at all. I get why they would be worried, I get why the Colts would be cautious, I get why Andrew Luck would be cautious. Some of that caution has to do with being prisoners of the moment, looking at the Kevin Durant video. Some of that caution is warranted based on how perhaps the Colts and or Andrew Luck handled his shoulder issue, pushing through some things. So caution, caution, caution. I don't think it's any more than just caution. I think he's going to be fine, and I don't have really any worries about Andrew Luck. And I can understand why he wants to be cautious. He's talked about his shoulder, how he felt like he did it the wrong way, rushing through some things. And he just wants to be super, super careful, which is uh, uh, probably not a bad thing.
4: What about Cam Newton coming off the surgeries that he's had in the off season? Obviously, he was not healthy at all last year. What would you expect for his uh, his availability to be early in the season, maybe during the preseason as well? How optimistic are you about his full recovery?
8: Well, you know, Clay, I always love – questions when they come to players and I can give, uh, you know, thumbs up answers. I like to be optimistic rather than pessimistic and always delivering uh, bad news. And I think there's more good news for Cam Newton. Look, is he at 100% this minute? Is he going to play all four preseason games? Look, a lot of that is a coaching decision. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I think he's going to have a much better year this year than he did last year. I don't think the shoulder's going to act up in the same way. Uh, He posted video himself, I think it was a YouTube channel or something where he showed the doctor talking to him uh, after surgery and the key there is he's regained some of his motion and you need all your motion to be able to throw with good mechanics and throw deep and that's the best part of the big of the good news however he did say and the doctor did say something to the effect of the cartilage damage was not as great as we thought which is good news but there certainly is damage, which could have long-term implications. Maybe not for this season, but you know, is he going to become a Tom Brady into his 40s? Uh, not sure that that's going to happen. But for right now, I think Cam Newton is okay.
4: We're talking to Doctor David Chow. He was the uh, physician for the San Diego Chargers for 17 years. Now he is a uh, on Twitter at Pro Football Doc. He's going to be with us all year. Um, What about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry in a walking boot right now. Finished, I think, sixth overall in total yardage. A lot of people out there, fantasy football drafts coming up. He's not practicing right now. Big deal, small deal. How would you how would you analyze it?
8: Uh, You know, I saw one two second snippet from a cell phone camera as (laughs) Derrick Henry got hurt. So, you know, caveats there. there is some concern there. I, I'm not, I wouldn't say alarm, but there is some concern there for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know this, Clay. But uh, Look, I have the utmost respect for uh, Mike Rabel, and if I were a head coach, I wouldn't give injury information either. So, And, and in the preseason, uh, in the training camp time, there, you're, there's no requirement for injury reports at all, so you don't have to say anything. So in some ways, small injuries can be made in mountains, uh, molehills, uh, you don't have it's a molehill or a mountain, depending on what happens, because you don't have any information. But based on that very limited video, uh, a walking boot, it does appear to be a calf strain. And the calf strain on Derrick Henry is a little bit bigger deal than on Andrew Luck, and here's why. First of all, Andrew Luck's calf injury started in June. This is something that's starting in late July. And Andrew Luck is a quarterback who probably doesn't want to make his living exploding and pushing off. Whereas Derek Henry, that's what he does. And indeed, calf injuries can linger, and you can have setbacks. So I'm not saying Derrick Henry has a bad calf strain and his season is done, but I am saying this is something to watch in terms of when he can get back, in terms of uh, the severity of the calf strain. It is possible for this calf strain to leak into the regular season. I'm not saying it's going to. I have no idea of the severity, but it is possible. Whereas Andrew Luck, I think, is a little bit different situation because of the time and the position that he plays etc
4: last question for you still a lot of interest in Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson as they come back from injuries what should we anticipate for both men
8: well I think you know they're going to work hard to try and get back but I think it's going to be hard for either player to return next year at a hundred percent for a couple of reasons uh Kevin Durant, I do have some optimism. It's not the doom and gloom from an Achilles that we've seen. Once again, I think we're prisoners of the moment there. We look more at Kobe Bryant that he never really came back the same way. But you have to understand, Kobe Bryant was several years older. When he came back after, I think, the sixth or seventh game, had a knee injury, so he essentially missed two years. When you missed two years in your mid-30s, that's a tough comeback, and that's what happened with Kobe. I'd rather compare Kevin to uh, Dominique Wilkins, the human, human highlight reel, who tore his Achilles about the same time and came back to have as stronger stronger career i'm not saying when kevin durant comes back uh, first of all if he comes back at all this next year it will be w- well under 100 percent. but the following season he could return to the same form look it's hard to come back and be the best player in the league like he was but he certainly could be a top 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 player when he comes back as far as clay thompson is concerned you know clay plays through everything right and uh He's tough. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't try to come back at some time next season. I mean, he always is lobbying to play. But to ask him to be 100% in the game of basketball where you have to play, you know, offense and defense and cover and react, which is much harder for an ACL, I think that's asking a lot for him to be 100%. Now, if you want to make him a spot shooter towards the end of next season in the playoffs and uh, sit in the corner and and get fed the ball from uh, Steph, that's not a bad formula. So we'll see what happens.
4: Uh, Outstanding stuff as always. We'll continue to talk to you all season. I cannot wait. He's David Chow at ProFootballDoc. I just retweeted him. You can go follow him there. I guarantee you will love the information that he provides. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation.
3: Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.